Welcome to the Crossview Church Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy the message this morning. For more information, visit us at mycrossview.com. Well, good morning, Crossview. It's great to be here with you on this fourth Sunday of Advent. Um, I want to just say a special thank you to Pastor Mark Morrison for being here and sharing with us for these last several weeks. Uh, It was a real joy and a blessing to all of us to hear from Pastor Mark. So thank you for that, uh, Pastor Mark. You know, as we've heard over these last few weeks, Advent, the season we're in right now, is a season that is marked by uh, expectation, by waiting and anticipation, and by longing. And it really, in a sense, is an annual uh, opportunity to rediscover Christmas, a season that links the past and the present and the future. Advent offers us the opportunity to share in the ancient longing for the coming of the Messiah and to celebrate his birth and to anticipate his coming again. Advent looks back in celebration at the hope fulfilled in Jesus' coming, while at the same time looking forward in hopeful and eager anticipation to the coming of Christ's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. During Advent week, we actively and hopefully wait for both of those things. We are waiting for the coming of the King who has already come. And each week of Advent focuses on on a different attribute of God represented in the coming of Jesus. We focus on hope, peace, joy, and love. And today on this final Sunday of Advent, we are focusing on the love that Jesus brought into our world and our lives. As we've journeyed through Advent, we've been introduced to uh, some of the different people in the Nativity story. We've met Zechariah and Elizabeth, Mary and Joseph. Well, today we're going to take a look at all of the people in the biblical account of Jesus's birth, because when we do that, we realize that the birth of Jesus ushers in the redemption of all creation, the reconciliation of heaven and earth. It brings people together, people across many different divides and contrasts. We've all seen uh, enough Hallmark movies to know that Christmas carries with it a sense of warmth and a sense of love that brings people together, right? Well, all love and all reconciliation are rooted in the love and reconciliation that came to earth through the birth of Jesus. So as we walk through this Christmas story in scripture, we start with Zechariah and Elizabeth and Mary and Joseph, the old and the young, the prophets and the covenants of Israel's past and the fulfillment of the promise of the Messiah and of new life. And then we meet uh, the shepherds and the angels, the beings of earth and the beings of heaven, the physical and the spiritual. The book of Luke tells us that Mary placed the newborn Jesus in a manger, a feeding trough, which tells us that there are animals present at the birth of Jesus as well as humans, these beings of creation. And in Matthew's Christmas account, we meet the Magi. The Magi are uh, commonly called the wise men or the kings. You may have heard that. And thanks to uh, a well-known Christmas carol, it's popularly thought that there were three of them. But we really don't know how many there were. Uh, The Bible does not specify. Even now, 
2,000 years later, there's still some mystery about exactly who the Magi were. But we know some things about them. We know that they had followed a star a long distance to find and worship the promised Messiah. Uh, we think they were from Eastern Asia. Some scholars think maybe China. They may have been astrologers or some kind of rulers, but either way, it's understood that the Magi are noble and wealthy men, and they give us another example of how Jesus' birth bridges great divides. The Magi are the esteemed opposite to the lowly shepherds in human social structures of the day. And even more significantly, they are Gentiles, not Jews. And their inclusion in Jesus' birth story echoes the amazing truth that Jesus the Messiah brings salvation and restoration to all people, not only the Jewish people. The Magi are also uh, holy men of some sort. They seem to belong to uh, more of a mystical tradition than the Jewish religious leaders of the day. And it's interesting to note that the only Jewish religious leader included in this story is the priest Zechariah, who with his wife Elizabeth is described as being upright in the sight of God. But there are no Pharisees, no Sadducees, no elite religious leaders invited to Jesus's birth. Instead, there are these travelers, holy men from a different nation, of a different race, of a different tradition, who are willing to disrupt their lives with a great journey and humble themselves to worship the baby of a poor, unassuming couple in the countryside. The other religious people included in this nativity cast are Simeon and Anna. Both were elderly, both were righteous and devout, and both were ordinary by every measure of Jewish society. They may have been respected by those who knew them for their devotion to God, but they held no position of power. They were ordinary people who, were, who, who placed all of their hope in God. The Magi and Simeon and Anna were worlds apart in their cultures, traditions, and life experiences, but they had one thing in common, they were devoted to seeking Jesus. The religious elite of the day were devoted to seeking power. And in the richness of the Christmas story, it's clear that those who seek Jesus are included and those who seek power are not. The people God assembled for the arrival of his son on earth are far from the expectations any of us would have imagined and probably even farther from the expectations of the people of that time, those who lived and breathed within that culture and its divisions. To us, it may seem like a ragtag bunch, but to them, it was downright blasphemous that the Messiah would be so lowly and associated with the full spectrum of unclean humanity and creation. Jesus united stark divisions simply by being born. The message of the Christmas story is that the good news of Jesus is for everyone, young and old, male and female, rich and poor, esteemed and lowly, Jew and Gentile, every tribe, every tongue, every nation. And what is the good news of Jesus? John 3.16 tells us, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish 
but have eternal life. The good news is this. God loves us. And by sending his son to the world, God revealed some things about his love uh, that I'd like for us to explore today. First, we learn that Jesus is love embodied. The Bible talks about love from beginning to end. It tells us that God is love. From creation, God made people and shared time with them in the garden as his companions and as his children. But when sin entered the world, bringing death and brokenness and separation from such a close companionship with God, he continued to work and covenant with humans. Through generations, he, God has worked his plans and promised a Messiah to make a way to restore relationship with humanity. And that way is Jesus. This relationship with God that he brings us into is a relationship of love because it is a reunion with love itself. The Apostle John describes the love of God in 1 John chapter 4 when he says this, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. John tells us that God is love. God personifies love. Love is his nature and he has shown it to us by sending Jesus. When we enter into new life through Jesus, we are restored to love. We are fulfilled in love. We live in him and he lives in us. His love fills us and fuels us. It calls us and enables us to love each other. And that brings us to our second point. Love defines and propels us. Near the end of his earthly ministry, as Jesus gathered with his disciples for their last Passover meal together, Jesus tells them, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Jesus emphasizes that those who follow him are to love in the way that he does. In fact, he said that's how other people will recognize them as his followers, by the love they show to others. You've heard this before. How will people know we are Christians? It's by our love. Love is what defines us. It marks us and characterizes us. 
or at least it should. The church hasn't always done such a great job of this. We as the church body don't always do a great job of this. It's easy for us to point the finger at some pretty obvious wrongs committed by the church through history. And we can probably all think of some examples of, of public Christians or churches in our time who might make us cringe uh, with anger or embarrassment at their rigid and unloving actions. But we also have to look at ourselves. And while none of us is perfect as individuals or as a collective church body, we have certainly been given ample opportunity to love others as Jesus does. Love is the birthmark of a follower of Jesus, the, the characteristic that clearly defines us and identifies us as a child of God. And just as that love defines us, it also empowers and propels us to cross borders and to bridge divides, just as Jesus did when, in pure love, he entered our world as a baby. Love empowers us to cross borders. These are divided times that we are living in. It seems that every day our culture multiplies the ways to divide us. But division is really nothing new. Throughout history, our world has been filled with wars and plunder and oppression. There have always been the oppressors and the oppressed, the haves and the have-nots. There has always been a division of us versus them. And that's why Jesus' teaching was so radical. It's why God's love is still so radical. Jesus said, You have heard that it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Jesus didn't only tear down the walls of division at his birth, but he continuously reached out across the, the chasm of separation and exclusion. Throughout his life, he befriended tax collectors who were despised in their culture, and he even invited one to be one of his 12 disciples. He spoke with the uh, Samaritan woman at the well, which broke multiple societal taboos. He told his listeners that if a Roman soldier forced them to carry his pack for a mile, which the soldiers could and did do, then they should carry it two miles instead. One of Jesus's most uh, powerful stories about this kind of unexpected love in action is the story of the Good Samaritan. You know how it goes, right? A traveler was robbed uh, and beaten and left for dead on the side of the road. A priest came along and crossed the road to avoid the man. A Levite, another man of a religious order, did the same thing. But then a Samaritan came along and saw the man and stopped to help. The Samaritan bandaged the man's wounds, put him on his donkey, and delivered him to an inn where he paid the innkeeper to take care of the man until the Samaritan himself could return. This is a good and, and challenging story for us today, but in Jesus's day, it was astounding to his ancient listeners. The Jews hated the Samaritans. Their racism against the Samaritans went back centuries, all the way back to when the kingdom of Israel split. 
the Jews considered the Samaritans to be uh, an inferior race with a corrupt religion, and they viewed them with prejudice and disdain. But this is who Jesus was holding up as an example of how to love our neighbor. Jesus was crossing the divide. He reached across the cultural and spiritual and political and racial divisions, and he calls us to do the same. Jesus was illustrating the kind of love that John describes, and again in 1 John chapter 4, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Jesus' love is fearless love that calls us and enables us to cross borders, to tear down barriers, to reach above disagreements. The fear that is driven out by love is the fear within ourselves. Love overcomes our fear of the other, our fear of those who may not look like us or sound like us or share the same perspective or experience as us. Maybe for you, reaching across the divide begins in your family, maybe in your home or your neighborhood or workplace or community. At Christmas and really all the time, Jesus calls us together into his loving presence and he invites us to make room for all, whether we think they deserve to be there or not. There's a humility in love, a willingness to put someone else first. Sometimes love means taking that simple step of building a bridge as a gesture and as an invitation. Sometimes it's being willing to listen and not defend. It is always being willing to choose to see someone else not as other, but as us, equally loved by God, equally welcomed into his presence, equally drawn in and propelled out of his miraculous, divine, all-consuming love. This is God's love. This is the gift of Christ and the heart of Christmas. Friends, as we approach Christmas Day, I invite you to rediscover Christmas by rediscovering that overwhelming, all-encompassing, all-welcoming love of God. Let's pray. Lord God, we're so grateful and overwhelmed and humbled by your love. Thank you, Lord, for sending your Son into this world to show us what love is. God, we ask for your help uh, and, and for, for you to strengthen us through your love, to give us the courage to love as you do, to see each person that we encounter as you see them, as precious and beloved children of yours made in your image. Lord, we want to cross divides and tear down barriers and reach across borders to love everyone as you do. Because you love us, God, we want to love others. Please give us the the, the courage, the love, the faith to do that. Thank you, Jesus, for this gift of Christmas, for this gift that you've given by entering our world and by loving us with your whole life, God. We love you, Lord. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's continue to worship.